new podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA. It's time for Reffing It Up with legendary referee Brian Hebner. An all new episode starts in. This. This. Is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes himself, the one, the only, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Not a whole lot, man. I am freaking stoked, man. NFL's back. College football's back. Fantasy football's back. I don't want to talk too much about fantasy right now, but, uh, but geez, um, just excited. We're taping here today on a Monday, and we got Monday Night Football tonight, and I only need 60 points um, out of a running back and um, a receiver, and not going to happen for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, I figured I kind of worked my uh, worked the numbers the right way so we'd face off week one there, and I guess it worked out in my favor. Um, actually, three out of the four leagues I'm in, I'm actually winning, so I guess it's better safe than sorry, but uh, but no, definitely stoked. Football's back. My Bills won uh, convincingly. Um, I only had probably about two heart attacks in the first half last week. So, uh, but no, they got a big game coming up this week against Tennessee on Monday night, next Monday night, excuse me, uh, at home. So hopefully they'll start off 2-0. and And if it's any inclination, uh, Titans are going to come in pissed off because losing to the Giants is uh, probably not in their <laughs> best, uh, be- best moods. No, I actually even talked to uh... – one of the biggest Titan fans I've ever talked to or I've ever met, should I say, uh, today, Kenny Smith from um, TNA Impact. Sure. And um, he uh, he was mad, man. Um, he was asking me about trying to hook him up with some tickets to the uh, Commanders game. And um, I told him they're giving those away, so shit, I don't have to hook him up. But, uh, but yeah, so I asked him what happened. He said they blew it. They blew it. So if you look at that, that's the one, the only Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Obviously, you guys on aren't on video. You can't see this, but I'm holding up a personalized autographed eight by ten by uh, Mr. Jeff Jarrett himself. And he, at the bottom, he says, "Tighten up." So, uh, Jeff, I'm sure you're listening to this because you listen to every show. Uh, go Bills! And I, honestly, man, the Titans. It's one week, man. It's the long season. They got a very good team. They just you know they couldn't uh, you know couldn't pull it out uh, yesterday. Well, Saquon Barkley went completely nuts, man. He looked like the rookie that he was, yeah. what, two or three years ago? I can't remember how long he's been yeah. in the league. That stuff flies by me. But, yeah. man, he looked phenomenal. He looked like he was ready to go, which is kind of scary, man, because uh, I don't expect the quarterback for the Giants to do anything. But uh, no. So, it, it's weird. And my commanders, uh, I hate the name, but my commanders were able to pull it out against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ooh. beat the cons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was excited about that. Yeah, so – we have beaten the cons. So well, anyway. not, 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 not too many, not too many people can, uh, can say that anyways. Well, there's a lot of NFL teams that can say that. Let's be quite well, honest. NFL teams. Yeah, definitely. But I'm still going out on a limb here, man. I'm still saying Jacksonville's going to improve quite a bit off of last year. Um, they got a good their squad. Defense, dude, their defense was, was, was beast. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we came out and did what we want to do at first and they made adjustments at halftime. Yeah. We didn't score again until that fourth quarter and we needed to bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Carson Wentz, the magical man he is, of course, 
two possessions back-to-back interceptions and they were retarded ones too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, he overcame them and ended up throwing two touchdowns. So he had four touchdowns for the game. I mean, no other quarterback did that this, uh, this weekend except for Patrick Mahomes and he is what he is. Yeah. There's no beating. There's no beating him. Well, not, not until the, uh, to what January when the bills do it. So, uh, but no, I think it's, uh, it's definitely like we talked about last week with Delo. It's definitely the Bills' season to, um, to to take really because we saw New England lose to the Dolphins, the Jets are the Jets, and it's just as long as they play their game, man, you know, good things are going to happen for them at the end of the year. I just I've been doing it for so long. I've been doing it for over thirty years, Brian. That I just I'm staying optimistic. Once we get closer to the playoffs, then it's a whole new ball game after that. So. Well, the the the, the division is not a not a not a discussion. I mean, that's your division, right? No, um, no, unless yeah. You, unless you can't beat Miami, of course. But I mean, I mean, come on. Um, and then the unsurmountable pressure of knowing that this is a hit or miss year or bust year. If you don't, I mean, that's mm-hmm. got to be pressure filled as a fan. Like, oh God, if we don't do it this year, we'll never do it. Yeah, I'd hate to be in that locker room and with all the pressure that's on that team right now. After one week. It's like everybody's predicting you. I'm like, I'd rather have everybody like not predict us. And then we used to, you know, we play the spoiler, the surprise role like we have in years past. But, but yeah, hopefully cross my fingers, knock on wood, whatever you want to do superstitious wise. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be still be talking about the Buffalo Bills football come, uh, come January. So, but you know, one thing that we are uh, definitely, I'm definitely excited to talk about is Brock Lesnar this week. Uh, a guy that you worked with quite a bit over there on the SmackDown brand. Uh, back in your day in the WWE um, guy that's still doing it, man. I'm not really surprised of that, but before we get to him, let's send it up to our first count and talk a little current product. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first count. Brian, it's been the scuttlebutt the last, well, Christ, I think AEW's been in our first count for the last number number of weeks, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, they keep, uh, keep staying in the news, good, bad, and different. Uh, we saw uh, Tony Khan come on Dynamite last Wednesday uh, and mentioned that the heavyweight and the six-man titles are vacant right now. Um, we saw later that the Death Triangle, which have been the Lucha Brothers and Pac, Pac, whatever you want to call them, are the new six-man champions, and they're actually having a tournament to crown a new heavyweight champion that will culminate uh, at the show that they do at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in uh, Flushing, New York. Um, so uh, I know we've been back and forth on this, and, and with AEW in general. Uh, was this the right move on Tony's end, do you think, to, you know, kind of, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and just, you know, say, hey, this is our wounds. We're going to, you know, let them let show and go from there. I'll, I'll be honest, man. When he went out and did the, you know, the whole announcing of the stripping of the belts and all that stuff um, with no reason, you know, I really kind of shitted on it because it was like, okay, you're just trying not to identify the elephant in the room. And it kind of like just seemed blah. And I also think that if you're not a internet mark or a mark, which me and you are, wouldn't even understood why that these belts were getting stripped. So I, I did not like it at all, at all. And I thought it came across as very cheesy and covered up. Um, but I will say 
that Moxley came down, and I'll say that might have been the best promo I've ever heard him cut and really saved that segment, in my opinion, because, like I said, I thought the first beginning of that part with, with Tony just absolutely sucked mm-hmm. um, because it didn't didn't give me reason of why what's going on, and that's what I want. When I watch a, uh, an event, a sporting event, um, a show, I want to know why you're doing what you're doing. And that was not there. And that's just, maybe that's me. What, I mean, did you not feel the same way? Cause it just felt like he was just stripping them and there was no reason to give him. And well, then Moxley had to cut this promo. Right. And of course, to, to kind of explain it, but still couldn't explain it all the way. You know what I mean? So unless you're a smart Mark, you would not have known exactly what was going on. And that's, that's what just kind of sucked for me. But Moxley did a good job of saving that segment. I will say. Well, my understanding from everything that I read online, there's only a few news sites that I go to legitimate news sites. Um, and then we, we, I, we've used them for the show as well is I think work, shoot, whatever. We're going to throw that out the window. Now we're going to talk about right now that it's a real deal. I'm I'm not going to, you know, pull the, pull the, uh, uh, pull the shade on anybody right now. I think this is a legitimate thing that's going on in that company and they have to basically you know, cut, you know, tuck their tail between their legs and do the best that they can. And I think this was his way of saying, okay, yeah, we fucked up and yeah. I have to fix it. And, and I, I'll commend Tony for that. I really will. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say it pains me, but you know, it, it's tough for me to say because we've been, you know, very critical. A lot of people have been very critical of his product. But I think this, he did it the right way with this, just because there's so much, if the rumors are true, there's so much legal issues that they have to cover. And I don't think that he'd come out right and say, this is why, you know, example A, example B, example C, but we're going to do example D. You know what I mean? And with Moxley coming out, I think Moxley's really stepped up in the last probably six months he's, he's, since he's came back basically and cut some great promos and yes he's a lot of people are even critical on him oh he bleeds every show well okay fine whatever but after that promo man i really think that he's you know climbing that ladder of the company to become that face of the company uh whether people like it or not and because he's getting a reaction regardless when wild thing hits man that crowd's going ape shit I mean, I can't disagree with what you're saying, but the only thing that kills me, okay? Sure. I I just wish he quit doing these fuck-off matches at other places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ones that don't make fucking sense. You know what I mean? They don't. And I just think it lowers his, his value. And, I mean, if he stops doing those fucking things, maybe I'm more believable. And I think he can be exactly what you're thinking he is and what he's going to be. But he's got to stop that shit. Yeah. I mean, be- that's just, that doesn't make sense for him. To be that face of the company, man, as you know, you were in it for over 30 years. You have to have somebody that is legitimately there each and every week. And he is, but not doing all the outside shit. Uh, like you said. And, and, and it's, if you and want- it's not just, but well, well, the thing is, it's not just working a show. It's doing fucking dumb shit on the show. Right. I mean, with flames and fucking blood everywhere, glass. I mean, come on. He doesn't need to do it. Yeah. I mean, because- he doesn't need to do it. Well, sooner or later, it's really going to it's going to hurt him. He's going to get hurt sooner or later if he keeps doing this, I think. And he keeps doing these GCW, these as, you know, um, <laughs> uh, Cornette always says it's these mud shows. And it's just what like, it is. Yeah. 
because what I'm like, oh, it, 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 it's, it's, I, I've talked to a few, you know, deathmatch wrestlers over my times doing the shows. Oh, there's an art to it. I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. If that's what makes you sleep at night, fine. But I just, it's, it's not for me. That's all I'm going to say about that. But um, it's really going to be interesting to see who they put it on because it's going to be that old adage. Oh, they're going to put it on the old WWE guy. And I think for the most part, that's who's in it. You know what I mean? Now, wait, a minute. Now, wait a minute. I have to go back because what you said pissed me off. So you said you talked to somebody that did these death matches and said there's an art to that fucking shit. There's a way to, you know, make it work. There's a way to get it over. There's a way, yeah, there's to, no way to get it. it over. That's for the fucking birds. Right. So you're going to jump off the fucking rafters. You're going to use glass light bulbs. You're going to fucking use a, a, a pizza cutter. I mean, give me a fucking break. There's no art to it. It's a fucking spectacle for fucking sick fucks that want to sit there and watch motherfuckers bleed. Give me a break. Now go ahead. Sorry. I didn't get let that out. That pissed me fucking off. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. Hey, like I said, I don't talk to that many, but the few, the two or three that I talked to, that's what they said. But anyways, uh, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see where they go with this. You know, they got the new six man tight uh, champions. Uh, but I, I think that they need to put it on somebody. They need to put it on a baby face. They have to. They definitely because- do. They, they can't go, you know, is MJF in this tournament? Well, see, there's the thing. MJF has that uh, the key. He won the casino battle Royal at the pay-per-view. So he can cash it add in for a title shot whenever he wants. So technically he's in line. He's the number one contender technically. So, I'm so fucking confused, but yes. Okay. So, so basically the, the, the casino battle Royal, you put a number of people in there. Basically it's money in the bank in WWE. It's their version of money in the bank. So basically he has the briefcase, you know, poker chip, whatever the hell you want to call it. So he can cash that in whenever he wants. Right. Okay. Anyway, so he's not in the tournament. He's got some fucking chip that he can turn sure. it in like sure. a briefcase. All right. Got sure. it. Let's go. Okay. So yeah, it will just be interesting to see what happens with that. But another part of this whole conundrum is the young bucks stripped of the six man titles with them and, um, and Kenny Omega that they just won at the pay-per-view. And then uh, there's reports coming out from Ryan Frederick of Wrestling Observer that they've reached out to WWE and talking about um, contracts, allegedly, uh, because their deal with AEW's off or, uh, ends in 2024. So it may just be a matter of rumoring innuendo. It may be a matter of, hey, this actually fucking happened. Uh, or... They're like, well, I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to end up in the WWE to get that paid. Right. Man, RJ, did you design this to piss me off? This, these, these topics. I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, but uh, you know, it's, 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 it's working. It's working. All right. So, who's they? Who's they? Is he? Is this Ryan Frederick? Is that who you said? Correct. He reported. He- he's with the Wrestling Observer. Okay, is is he the one saying that the Bucks reached out, or is Correct. someone reached out to the Bucks? Okay, the Bucks. He he's out. saying that the Bucks reached out to WWE, whether it's to put feelers out, where they just like, hey, what's going on with this? Our deal's up in twenty twenty four. Let's talk. It wasn't specific, and what right, happened? Because well, nobody knows that, obviously. Well, I don't know that, but I can tell you this: I believe it's horseshit, um, because that's a huge breach of contract 
for either one of them to speak to anybody on any volume of WWE side. Now, he can send a messenger and he can send word. Believe me, I've done things like that as myself. But I never get, would maybe be caught with that because I never talked to them. So them talking to WWE may be something that maybe he meant that they were talking to them through an insider or something like that. But there's no fucking way that they're reaching out on their own to somebody unless they're talking to one of their friends there. Maybe they could do that. They could talk to their friends, but I mean, they're not right. talking to any executives. That's not happening. I can promise right. you that. Well, and they, it might just be a matter of, Hey, they reached out to du- somebody in WWE. Like they said, they could be talking to Cody for all we know, you know, because obviously they had the relationship with him in AEW. So and that's fine. He, he would be clarified as a friend, not as an executive. Sure. Right. Correct. So maybe he could put the feelers out for them. And I get that. But, I mean, you're talking about two more years, man. Um, Yeah. You can't start talking two years from now. I mean, shit. But anyway. Unless they get outright released, though. That's the other thing, too. If they get outright released, then, you know, then they got to get paid either way. So, who knows? So, you think any any of these guys are going to get fired, released, or any of that in in your mind? And, like, the bug. Honestly, I see Punk getting fired. After, because he's hurt right now, he's out six to eight weeks with another injury. I can see them shipping him away again. He's not being and being a free agent again with the Bucks, man. I don't know, man. I really don't. I think there's there's too much stock in uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega with this company where they started it. Uh, I granted, as you know, never say never in professional wrestling, but I just don't think that there would be who of them to you know ship him out because you know sure as shit they'll go right to. You know, Triple H, right to WWE, say, hey, what do you got for me? And they'll make well, the thing- shit tons of money main eventing pay-per-views for them. No, I, I agree. But but here's my thing. So is Punk to a guaranteed contract? I know you don't know this. I'm just saying. Thinking out loud. Right. If he's got a guaranteed contract as far as money, guaranteed money, it doesn't do them any good to let him go. Right. And I guarantee you he's a smart fucking businessman and he ain't getting paid per show and he ain't getting paid per month. Oh, he's no. got a paper deal. Yeah, exactly. So you use that motherfucker for the six to eight weeks that he's out and you put him on posters and you put him on promos and you do whatever you can to get your dollars out of him because otherwise you don't fucked up majorly as far as your income and bottom line when it comes to that. I mean, that's just the, the way it is. And I guarantee you he's got a guarantee. So he, I don't see him going anywhere. If he does, no. I'll be shocked because they're going to have to eat that water. I made that money. Well, but I, that's what I think. I don't think if, if they were to, I don't think I don't think that that's the smart way to do it. Don't get me wrong, but if they were to, I think Punk would be the first one to be, you know, shit canned. But I mean, I think they should fire. I think sure. they should fire. The, the guy went to business for himself. Not he obviously any, doesn't care. He yeah, really any, doesn't care what he says, when he says it, and how he does it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking the um, Punk. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm not knocking. But I'm just saying, if I was running that business, and I actually tweeted this, you know, if motherfuckers want to get out of their contracts, I'm letting them fucking go. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in a meeting at WWE and it was run by Vince McMahon and he looked at everybody. I mean, literally took 10 minutes and looked every single person in the, in that room, in their eyes, Vince McMahon did. And we was just a, a awkward 10 silent minutes and looked at every fucking person in that room. And he said, if you don't want to be here, you let me fucking know. And I'll let you fucking go. Mm-hmm. If I hear one more word from dirt sheets or any of that shit that you're not happy about being here, you're gone. You know what? That's how you run a business. You don't let the boys run it for you. And that's right. exactly what I've been telling for the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. That's the problem in AEW. Until that gets fixed, 
CM Punk ain't going nowhere. He's mm-hmm. not. And if he does, I will absolutely say I'm sorry, I'm shocked, and I was wrong. But I don't think I will be. No, I don't think you will be either. But um, you know, one thing that uh, isn't going anywhere anytime soon is the Conrad Thompson empire that is ad-free shows and all the great content that he puts out on the weekly, daily basis. Um, according to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, Conrad Thompson StarCast Convention and Promotion has filed the trademark for quote, super clash, end quote. Uh, This is yet another sign that StarCast may be expanding from a simple wrestling convention to some form of wrestling promotion. This is according to WrestlingInc.com. So for those of you that aren't familiar with what super clash is, it was the name of a series of pay-per-view events put on by the American Wrestling Association, a.k.a. the AWA, uh, that ran between 1985 and 1990. Uh, and they base and they feature guys Jerry Lawler, Nick Bockwinkel, Kurt Henning, Kerry Von Erich, guys along that line. Uh, but it, it's interesting. We just this just came out this afternoon, Brian. I sent it over to you because it's a very reliable source. It's a source that we always go to is Wrestling Inc. Um, and as much as he's been denying it on you know on shows at live events, whatever that he's not starting something. Maybe this is, you know, something's cooking, like you mentioned before. You know, the oven's on, you know, but we don't know how hot he wants it yet. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing from what you told me before through our message. Well, I actually I actually changed my, my oven quote there. Um, I think he's in a crock pot, man, right now. <laughs> and, and he doesn't know whether to put that bitch on low, high, or just keep it warm. Yeah. And um, there, there, there's something in that crock pot for real. Yeah. Um, there's something stern. Now, there could be a name of another event that he does, and maybe he's trying to name all the, you know, has a name for all the, you know, the the things he does. You know, his like live events with the signings and all that stuff, like we did in Chicago. Sure. Um, that could very well be, man. I mean, he he may just be looking for names for each one of these events he does instead of just top guy or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, or ad free. He may want to have titles. You know what I mean? And some people are big into titles. So it could very well be just something as simple as that. But I'm kind of like you. And like I said, I believe my crock pot theory. I think there's something in that crock pot. He's trying to figure out where he wants to fucking put that down. And good yeah. for him. No, it definitely good. You know, you, you've talked to, you talked to him this uh, two weeks ago there at Top Guy Weekend and, and, and the wrestling showcase. I, I, I'm on, uh, I, I've talked to him a number of times as well. And he's a very, very smart businessman. It's 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 on record that he is. He wouldn't be as successful as he is if he wasn't. Um, but like he said, that crockpot man, I think he's just keeping it simmering right now. You know, I think it, it's it, on warm. I think it's on warm right yeah. now. Just it's getting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I will it, say this too. It's it, it, touch on what you just said. Sure. Comrade, comrade is a very very smart man. Smart businessman. He knows this business too. Believe it or not, people are like, probably like, "Well, why would he know the business?" Well, believe me, he does. Yeah. Um, and he would be a very scary guy, man. As far as if he was a promoter and ran his own business, uh, I, I would. And what I mean by that is a good thing. Like, I think he would be very successful and, and do it smart. And, and hey, man, he's got guys with him. I mean, he's got some guys that, and I don't need to mention names. He's got guys that are willing, I'm sure, to hop in with him and, and get some shit fucking over. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I. I 
I don't know, man. It's, I, I'm glad for him. I mean, I'm, he's keeping me on my toes. I'm wondering, like, what's going on? What's going on with Comrade and what's he doing now? So that's, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Keep that crock pot going, Comrade. <laughs> well, the stuff wouldn't come out by accident, though, man. He's, you know, somebody's getting it out there. But like you said, there's two guys that are in his stable there, we'll call it, that know the business that he can basically hook his trailer to and and take that to the promised land and take that to the over the over the rainbow to the sun to the best part where he can go right now and i i think it's on the way to that i really do and uh i don't think we've heard the last of it i really don't i think there's a lot more stuff coming out me too can't wait let's go comrade every shows there you go amen to that so Another thing that we're definitely psyched about is talking a little bit about Brock Lesnar. So let's send it up right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your second count. count, count. Brock Lesnar, Brian, one of the guys that legitimately is one of the best in-ring workers of all time, without question. And maybe not known for his mic skills, but he's been associated with guys that have really gotten them to their promised land guys like Bra- or, uh, Paul Heyman that he's, he's been associated with, you know, he's a collegiate athlete um, at uh, the university of Minnesota, winning the NCAA national championship in 2000. Uh, he then soon would, uh, he signed with WWE in 2002, or excuse me, excuse me. He would WWE would become, WWE in 2002. Uh, but Brian, what was the first time that you remember seeing Brock Lesnar? Was that in the territory and uh, developmental there, or did you not see him until he got uh, on the main roster? Um, no, I saw him before that. He was in the OVW. And I don't know if you remember the episode where um, I talked about where I was riding with them, the boys from OVW, uh, Randy Orton, um, Brock Lesnar was one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 John Cena and the Basham brothers, if y'all remember the Basham brothers. Yep. Yep. Um, all those guys were OVW guys, and all of them were rode with me. Um, I rode with all those guys. So I, I met him then um, as a young pup, a young Brock Lesnar. What a scary fucking guy he was. But, yes, uh, that's when I met him. Yeah, Because I, I remember um, earlier in his career, I remember – one of my buddies ended up seeing him in an airport and you know, it's one of those things, Hey, you want to go up and get his autograph, get a picture with him. And he was at that point, he was so cautious. He was saying of, you know, keeping kayfabe. So he literally said, Hey, come here. I don't want to do it right on the open. So he, they kind of went into this like little alcove area and, you know, took pictures with his kids and all that stuff. So he's legitimately a good dude. It's just a matter of he, when he sees something he wants, he goes after it. And he he's busting his ass to get it. You know, being at that time before Randy Orton did it, he was the youngest person to win a WWE heavyweight championship at the age of 25. Now, has that changed? Is that is there somebody younger yeah. than him now? Randy Orton, I think Randy Orton won it at 24. Wow. Uh and I and I think because the reason why Randy did it or was booked to do it was because at that time and i believe he did it uh shoot i want to say probably like 2005 2004 ish at SummerSlam, and i think the reason why he did that and won it 
was because at that time Lesnar was part of you. He was, he left the company and go and went to go trial for the Vikings. So that was still a lot of, you know, animosity there with the company. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were in a meeting, um, it wasn't the same one I was talking about earlier, but we were in a meeting and, um, nobody knew what this meeting was about. And, uh, Finally, it came out that uh, Brock stood up and said he was leaving the company and everybody was shocked because nobody really knew. I'm sure like guys like Kurt Angle and things like that knew. But uh, that's when he made his announcement that he was going to go to the uh, NFL, which was another shock. Leaving was a shock and then going to the NFL out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he ever really played significant college football, which I would have to say no, um, or – probably some growing up, I would think, but, uh, he was a wrestler. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that was, that was a pretty shocking announcement for a lot of us. It was a pretty weird day after that. Yeah. Cause that was 2004 when he departed with WWE. It was that memorable match that he had against Goldberg, uh, with Austin as a special referee. Uh, cause that's the same year. That's a WrestleMania that you did, um, Taker and King, I believe at WrestleMania 20. Uh, I think that was the only match you did at that. I believe, um, but there's no way I had one match. No way. Hmm? <laughs> there's no way I only had one match. I don't think I've done. I'd, any have, to go, I'd have to go back and watch that though. Cause I know you did. At okay. least I, I know you did undertaker and came for sure. I know. Yeah. It's all right. I just, I don't remember doing one match on any WrestleMania except my very first one. Um, and that was RBD and, um, Regal. Um, Regal. Yes. That was the only match I did on the show. That was the opener. And that was in Canada and Toronto. And 17. I remember that. Yeah, so I, I don't. I, after that, sure. there was never one I did one match on. Yeah. So 2005, he ends up jumping ship, going over to the NFL, or 2004, excuse me. But he comes back. Did you know, in 2005, when he went to the when uh, he went to the New Japan and became the heavyweight champion over there, was that talked about without within the company? Do you remember? I had no clue until I got my show notes that this even happened. Yeah. So I didn't even know this. Um, I actually heard this on um, uh, Kurt Angle's podcast mm-hmm. uh, because I think they had worked out a deal where Kurt was going to come over and actually put on a program with Brock mm-hmm. over there. Um, and this was going through um, TNA at the time. Uh, so I, I, I didn't know anything about this. No. So there was no talk that I heard about. And I didn't even know he went over there. Yeah, he won that, and then he lost it to Angle because Angle came over. But um, wait, are you surprised that he's still going as strong? Not maybe not as strong as he was in two thousand in the early two thousands, but he's still going now. He's still putting on a hell of a show. You know, the likes of Lesnar winning the you know being the Universal Champion for five hundred and four days. Um, do you think he's really, you know, is he surprising anybody at this point with the longevity? Um, no. And I know we haven't touched on this yet, but I know we will, but, um, I I can't tell you any more than Brock Lesnar of a more athletic guy who can do it all. Listen, the guy's gone and won the NCAA. The guy's gone to the NFL and succeeded to to a certain degree. The Mm -hmm. guy went to USC and beat people's asses and won titles in a sport he's never been in. And the guy who's been WWE champion multiple times. I mean, that is a huge fucking resume and there ain't nobody else I can see ever doing that. So am I surprised that he's still as big and strong and 
uh, a bigger, you know, big name like he used to be? Absolutely fucking not, man. The guy is a uh, what is the name? I, there's, I don't even know. The guy is just a athletic freak, um, and I don't see that changing, man. I mean, not for a while. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still got it in a tank, and you can just see it mm-hmm. in his blood and his eyes. You can just see it when he walks out. Another one of those guys that really is, is still going now is uh, Shelton Benjamin. He was actually formed a tag team when he was in OVW. Um, then Booker, uh, Jim Cornette paired Lesnar and Benjamin together, call, calling in the Minnesota stretching, stretching crew. Uh, and along the same lines as the Minnesota wrecking crew with the Aaron and, um, uh, shoot, uh, not Gene Anderson. Anyways, the Anderson brothers and, uh, you know, ran rupshot all over OVW to capture in their, uh, tag team champions on three separate occasions. Um, and they wrestled together in dark matches in 2001 and 2002 before being called up officially to the main roster. Uh, that class man there, man, you, I know you mentioned being in car rides with him and Cena and the Bashams. Do you remember, I know it was fairly early in your time there with the company in 2001, 2002, but do you remember them doing those dark matches there or were you a part of those dark matches? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was also part of the ones that we did house shows where they would bring those guys along and do house show matches um, just to give them, you know, time in front of people and things like that. So, yeah, I worked with him quite a bit before he was the Brock Lesnar we know today. So, yeah. Did you when you saw a very young Brock Lesnar, did you imagine that he would you know, make such impact on this business, uh, whether it be the wrestling business, UFC, MMA, as much as he did? I knew he would, um, but I struggled with how he right. would. Um, he was a genetic freak. Right. I mean, the guy was so massive, it's not even funny. I mean, it was like you almost feel like uh, you have to look at him, and you don't know why. Uh, and I know that sounds strange, but it's just like you don't see a, a guy walking down the street like that. You don't even see a guy in your gym that looks like that. You, I mean, you just don't see it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and – Ultimately, you know, to be quite honest, I knew that he would be something special because of his look, A, and B, his passion. Because at that point in time, that young Brock Lesnar, he had a lot of passion. You should have heard some of the things he said in that car that would lead me to believe that uh, there was no way other than being what he is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did. I just didn't know in what capacity and how big. And uh, I figured it out pretty quick once things got going. Yeah, things got going pretty quickly as he made his debut on WWE television in March of 2002 on Raw as a heel um, as he attacked Al Snow, Maven, and Spike Dudley in a hardcore match uh, while he was being you know, accompanied by Paul Heyman, man. And I think that long association with Heyman has really, really done well for him, whether it was against him when he was in the feud with Roman here and Heyman was not a part of with Lesnar or excuse me with um with Roman but his first big feud was with the Hardy boys Matt and Jeff they worked a lot together handicap matches and whatnot uh do you think that with him being associated with well first and foremost with Heyman was the best for him earlier in his career and two do you think the Hardys were the right people right guys to put him against I honestly will say this. I think Brock Lesnar would be what he is today, but not as big if it were not for Paul Heyman. 
Mm-hmm. I think Paul Heyman gave him a layer of confidence, gave him a layer of superior, gave him a, a, a level of a big deal and a big star. Um, and he did that for a lot of his career. Um, and I just think that if he did not have Paul Heyman, I don't know if he'd be the biggest star that he is now. I really don't. Not because he's not talented enough to be, but we mentioned earlier, or you mentioned earlier, which I agreed with, or I do agree with, is that he wasn't the best mouthpiece. You know what I mean? He wasn't He wasn't going to cut that John Moxley promo that he did the other night. That's for sure. Uh, but he's cut some promos, obviously. They just, you know, some were good, some weren't as good as others. But it is what it is. I just think yeah. Paul Heyman just really added to his career. And I think Heyman was the – the common denominator because you see him, he was associated with, with Undertaker and in, uh, in WCW. He's been associated with the Samoan dynasty forever. You go all the way back to wild Samoans, Afan Sika, uh, you know, the, um, what the heck did they, were they in, uh, in uh, WCW there? Uh, uh, Rikishi and um, Samu. Uh, shoot. Uh, I forgot their freaking name. The Samoan SWAT team? Samoan SWAT team. There you go. He's associated with them earlier on. So he's had that lineage of being with legitimate badasses. And I think it, like you said, if without with Heyman there, uh, I don't, I, I don't think he would have been as over because Heyman was that mouth is, is that mouthpiece for anybody he's with. Well, here's the thing too. Think about this. I mean, and, and it's no disrespect. It's just a matter of it is what it is. So Roman Reigns doesn't need a Paul Heyman. He doesn't because he's got the whole package, and just my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think Paul Heyman helps elevate the Usos that do need a little help. I mean, because to me, the Usos were pretty new and fresh without Roman Reigns before, you know, pre-Roman Reigns. Um, they, were, they were kind of exciting, but then they became stale to me. And I'm pretty sure for a lot of other people because it was just a regular thing. And I think Paul Heyman did kind of what he's done for Brock Lesnar is brought them more importance, brought them to a higher level because they're with Paul fucking Heyman. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think that that makes them elevated. And I think that helped them. And then especially with the group they have now, the bloodline, you know, the, 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 their cousin or something came in too, right? Yeah, they're no, the uh, Uso's uh, brother, youngest brother. So oh, uh, that's so cool. That's that's their youngest brother. There's three of them. Oh, I know. Actually, actually I, th- I think there's more of them too. To be honest with you, uh, in that family. Oh. Rakishi better cut that thing off, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, they keep on turning out to be these stars. What the hell? Uh, I admit it, man. But, <laughs> but honestly, man, 2002. I don't think outside of maybe Kurt Angle, but we're get, we'll get into that in our third count. I don't want to you know put talk about it too much, but. I don't think anybody's had a better rookie year compared to Lesnar. Obviously, Angle did, but let me let me run down this his first year here. 2002, he wins the King of the Ring tournament, defeating Bubba Ray in the finals, which earns him a uh, title match for the Undisputed Championship at SummerSlam. He then has a quick few with Hulk Hogan in August of 2002. He would then defeat The Rock at SummerSlam, for the universe, or for the excuse me, the undisputed championship, becoming the youngest champion at 25. He also became the second fastest professional wrestler to win the WWE championship since his debut. 
behind only Ric Flair at 113 days. It took him 126 days to win his first WWE championship. So, man, I, I don't think that there is a better. Oh, yeah. And by the way, he goes on to WrestleMania 19 and faces Kurt Angle in a, to win his second championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, holy shit. It's called accolades. Accolades. In the, in the, first, in the first two years. Because they are strapping a rocket to his back and taking him to the moon. But what better guy to do it, though? Seriously. You know, obviously, he was, might have been a little green there at the beginning, but shit, man. What the hell? Why not? He's a beast. Yeah. It, 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 that is very, very impressive. Once again, obviously, that's that's not what I knew. Um, and I, I just think that that's remarkable. And it just mm-hmm. it just shows you the things I said earlier. The guy is the most, most athletic person in the world, um, can do anything, has done anything, mm-hmm. and it's pretty, pretty awesome. All right, so what I want to do right now, um, I want to play a clip for you that I got from uh, the night, the SmackDown after he won the uh, the uh, uh, championship against uh, Angle at WrestleMania 19. Um, during that match, he would, uh, the famous botched um, shooting star press that would get him concussed. Um, something that he's tr- he tried numerous times in OVW, keep in mind, because there is video out there, because if it's on the internet, it's definitely true. Uh, so it, it, it's it's out there, him hitting it. And it's just unreal. I, I, I implore you guys to, to go check it out. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But let me play this real quick, and I want to get your thoughts on it afterwards, Brian. Now, you got to ask yourself, why? Why would I attempt something like that? you got to remember, though, Cole, last November at Survivor Series, I lost the WWE title. I thought I'd win it back no problem. It took five long months before I got another title shot, Cole. Five long months. Kurt Angle did everything in his power to keep this title off my waist. So I knew going to WrestleMania, stepping into that ring with Kurt Angle, I knew he was going to bring it, and I knew I had to bring the pain. Kurt Angle, he kicked out of not one, but two F5s. Nobody's ever kicked out of an F5. They hurt, Cole. F5s hurt. You don't believe me? No, I, I believe you. I believe you. Believe me. You want me to? You want no, me to F5? Not me? at all. Not at all. Ah. Not at all. <laughs> not yet. <That's> great. <laughs> on a more serious note. On a more serious note. I knew when Kurt kicked out of two F5s that I had to do something out of the ordinary to bring this title home. Man. I suffered a concussion, Cole. I suffered a concussion. I'm lucky to be standing here. But if I had to do it all over again, would I? You bet your ass I would. Not only did I walk out with a concussion, I walked out the WWE champion. All right. So that was, like I said, that was from the SmackDown after uh, uh, um, the WrestleMania where he won. He beat Kurt Angle for it. Um, Dude, uh, earlier on in his career, he wasn't known for his, you know, for his promo skills. 
But dude, he got this point across with that. You know what I mean? No, he did. Um, but when you know Brock like I do, it was it was a a, a battle to be a babyface. He, he he did not like being a babyface. Yeah. Um, but this was when they were pushing Kurt to be a heel, so it, it was interesting just with knowing what I know, um, just the the forced enthusiasm that he had to put in, which mm-hmm. made me kind of laugh. Um, but but no, it was a great promo. Um, I liked it. I digged it, and I loved the little. Uh, moment with him and Michael Cole that was absolutely marvelous. Oh, yeah, maybe pop. No, and but that's the thing. I'm like, Cole got it, he didn't get him over, but you know, it got him over as that beast, though. You know, and I think that's one of the things Michael Cole very gets a lot of a lot of critics on him, but you have to think as an announcer, you have to get these guys over without you know, with your words, you know, and I think he does a bang up job most of the time. No, he does. He does. And um, Michael Cole, in my mind, is one of those guys that um, is kind of like the Tom Brady. He's been doing it forever, and he gets hated on. Um, and does it well. So anybody that hates on Michael Cole is just an idiot and just doesn't understand the game and understand how it's played. Yeah, so he, he gets thrusted, given another uh, – the following year in 2004 – Another match that you were associated with that we talked about in the Eddie Guerrero episode in our I archive. So go check that out. Um, is the WWE Championship at No Way Out, February 4th, or excuse me, 15th. Pardon me. Goldberg will insert himself spearing Lesnar. And it, as everybody knows, they've watched it hundreds of times. I've watched it hundreds of times. Uh, but he was his heel in this aspect. And I think, like you said, I think he did his best work when he was a heel. No doubt, because that's what he is. Right, it's believable. It's believable. Yes, for sure, one hundred percent. And in two thousand four, here he would end up leaving WrestleMania twenty on the fourteenth of March at Madison Square Garden. He would leave, go to the NFL as a heel, and he would come back eventually. Because, like you said, we always said on this show, never say never in professional wrestling. Um, and especially in in a little background behind his IWGP uh, run here. Um, in October 8th of 2005, Lesnar would win, um, the IWGP heavyweight championship on his debut match in a three-way match against Fujima and, uh, Masahiro Chono at New Japan's, uh, show at the Tokyo Dome. So not too many people in this business of professional wrestling can say that they headlined the New Japan Tokyo Dome, excuse me, and a WrestleMania. Lesnar can say that. And he's main event at a UFC. And if that's not enough evidence to tell you how over this man is and how good he is, then you're, you're watching something different and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that's so true, man. Um, you know, I, the one thing I would, would say about Brock is he, as far as his in-ring performance, really, really, was one of those guys that worked in a believable way. And that's what made him so good because everything he did was believable. Um, I didn't see him do a lot of what people would quote does unquote um, fake this, fake that kind of thing. Cause I hate that fucking word. Cause that's not what the sport is. It's not fake. Um, it's choreographed. That's if, if you want to say it that way, mm-hmm. but he, he brought the, he, he brought the noise. And it was a believable match when you watched it. And that's what made him so good. 
And mm-hmm. I just really, really, really love, and we're going to get into that, but I really, really loved, and I think to me was maybe for me personally, one of my all-time rivalries was was him and Kurt Angle. I, I, mm-hmm. I just thought it was awesome, really yeah. awesome. You know, on the other show that I do, Ringside Ramp, we actually are doing something now that we rank our high, the best rivalries of all time. And Angle and Lesnar was one of them that I added to the list, just because that was one of the things that I saw growing. You know, getting to this business here in two thousand, in the early two thousand, seeing him debut and seeing him still go at this time. Uh, and it, it's just remarkable to see because he could have a good match with pretty much most anybody. Um, you know, you have the angle match, the angle feud, his feud, uh, uh, that he would have with Goldberg. Yes, it was, you know, wasn't the best, but it got the reaction. Um, one thing that I do want to talk to you about, Brian, before we get to our third count is WrestleMania 30, Lesnar, Undertaker, Lesnar, is the first man to beat the streak and have Undertaker lose at WrestleMania. Uh, Lesnar would defeat Undertaker after executing three F5s, ending the undefeated streak um, at 21. Um, the sports, a sports illustrator would be quoted as saying that this was the most shocking result since the Montreal screw job. Do I can't remember the last time that WrestleMania had this much of an impact on the business. Do you think Lesnar was the right guy to end the streak initially? Obviously, we know Roman would end up beating Undertaker too. We're gonna leave that, you know, secondary. We don't know at this point. In 2014, as a wrestling fan, how do you think that Lesnar was the right guy? Because I think. Rumor innuendo has it that Undertaker handpicked him when Vince told him that the streak was going to be ended. Uh, that's a really, really good question. Um, and it's something that I want to really think about because I respect Brock a lot. I respect him as a human being. I respect him as a wrestler. I respect him as a performer, a dad, a friend. Um, and I, I think that I don't think he was the right person. I don't, I don't think he was the wrong person, but I don't think he was the right person. I think that it was believable for him to be that person, but I just think that in my honest, humble opinion, I think that the end of the road for the undertaker was then. And when it's now and then, you have to figure out who it would be best for at that at that time. I think someone like a Edge. I think someone like a Roman Reigns. I think someone like maybe even a Randy Orton, which would go with his character of the giant killer, or what was this? Uh, the the Randy Orton, the legend killer. Legend killer. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, but. I, I, I don't feel like I don't I'm not mad that he won it and I'm not mad that they chose him. I'm not saying that at all. I just I don't think that that was the right decision at that time. But it had to be because it was probably on takers on his terms. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but he also, you know, was probably at the end of his line and he knew that he was going to have one more good match. And so that's yeah. that's 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 why I think it went that way. Yeah, and I I think that they 
they complimented each other well. This match probably wasn't one of Undertaker's best. He's gone on record saying that in a bunch of the doc- documentaries that he's done since um since stop since he retired. Um but yeah, I I I reiterate a lot of the guys that you mentioned, Brian Edge and uh Randy Orton, uh Roman, but it was just a matter of what would have worked best at that time. Um but you know <sighs> Who knows? It, it, it It's something that everybody remembers. It's something everybody goes back on. Um, every WrestleMania, it's always a hot, one of the highlights that WWE puts out when they promote the show um, of that year. So it, it goes to show you that, okay, it still got over regardless. But uh, what I want to do next, Brian, let's send it up to our third count. And we're going to talk about the Iron Man match between Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle from September 18th, 2003, SmackDown from Raleigh, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your third count. Count, count, count. So, Brian, this is setting up quite a big rivalry. We talked about the whole WrestleMania 19 angle where Lesnar beat Angle for the title. Um, Angle then forced uh, Lesnar to tap out at SummerSlam of the same year. Uh, so Les or Angle's coming in, excuse me, uh, as our champion here. And for the first time in broadcast TV, they made made sure that we knew this. There was gonna be a 60-minute Iron Man match. And for the th- and this is gonna be the third time in WWE history that there is an Iron Man match. Uh, the first one was obviously was Brett and Sean. Second one was Triple H and The Rock, which I forgot about that one. I can't I've always, obviously that Brett and Sean one was always the good one that everybody well, remembers. What was uh, curious for me, though, uh, you know, going through the show notes, that was on broadcast TV or is that on on uh, pay per view? Which one, Triple H and The Rock, Either, or this one? One of those two. I know ours was. It, it was the Brett yeah. and Sean on TV. I think Brett, Brett and Sean was at WrestleMania 12. Okay, so that wasn't on broadcast TV. No, though. this is the this is the first time that an Iron Man match was on broadcast TV. Got you. Okay, and and Triple H and Rock were obviously on pay per view. They're on the pay per view. Yes. Yep. 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 So I would um, say this would have to be the only match WWE's ever done that was an Iron Man match on TV. Yeah. Oh no, without question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and all- it was just and just interesting that they put this on SmackDown though. I would. Do you think this is just a way of okay, let we're going to try and grab these, grab the ratings here, kind of thing, or was it they wanted to really? This was the first time that they really tried to you know end this rivalry, so to speak. No, I th- I think the rivalry had gotten so big that. Um, there was, uh, you know, moments where at that time SmackDown was actually in a, as far as attendance goes, was actually struggling for a little bit. And I think that this was a advertised match for, for a while, um, in in Raleigh, uh, which was a great draw for WWE back then. And it may still be, I don't know that, but, um, and I think that this was a good TV type of thing to do. On SmackDown because they were in their they were on UPN I think at that time, mm-hmm. uh, which which you know was a, still a great channel, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think that this was something they really wanted to do, and I think the boys wanted to do it. I, I, but I will say this: I had no clue walking in that day that I was going to be doing this thing, uh, or it was just crazy to me because when I they they come out and they give you a run sheet, mm-hmm. and Sergeant Slaughter was usually the one who did the ref assignments, and he would give you the the, the sheets. He would make the sheets and. He gave me the sheets and I saw my name for like seven fucking segments. BH, 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 BH. I'm like, what the fuck? 
And I, I, I see that it's an Ironman match, and I'm like, oh, shit. It's A-game time tonight, buddy. So, yeah, it was it was a really crazy, crazy thing. And uh, I don't know, man. History was written. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great, great episodic TV moment. I can tell you that. So what I want to do is set up. We had a little uh, soundbite previous to this. What I want to uh, play for you and for everybody listening is a soundbite that Kurt Angle have from Kurt Angle on the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin talking about um, Brock Lesnar. So what I'm going to do, and we'll play it right now for you. Well, I had a lot of respect for Brock. When he came in, you know, the boys were joking with him, you know, telling Brock, you know, hey, you know, you're not an Olympic gold medalist. You're just an NCAA champion. You know, how would you do against Kurt? And Brock, you know, said I'd whip his ass, right? So, and then they told me, you know, when boys stir up and it's like, you know, I would have said the same thing if I was Brock. Yeah. So now the pressure's on me. I got to go confront Brock and say, what would happen if you and I wrestled? There's a big difference between Olympic gold and NCAA. I, anybody with the right frame of mind knows that. But, um, you know, if you're not a fan of amateur wrestling, you don't know the difference between Olympic gold medal and NCAA. NCAA champion is great. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome. Uh, but there's a big difference. Um, Brock is a big man. He's probably, he was probably 60, 70 pounds heavier than me. I was around 215, 220. He's probably around 280. So I knew the size difference. And, and the crazy thing is that is as quick as I am. <laughs> he's, he's an animal. But what I had was experience and positioning. So there wasn't really anything Brock could do to me to score on me. So I would just stay patient. And we, we had the match. It was really close. I never... Never admitted to kicking his ass and all that. I scored a takedown on him, and that, that was the end of it. It was one takedown, so it wasn't anything big. But I showed the boys that at least I was as tough as Brock, maybe a little bit tougher. It goes to show you that um, the respect that they had for each other, even going into this match. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I, I was there that day that that happened. It was amazing. It was like sold out around the ring. Everyone was there, and we were all like, just like, oh shit. And we were, I, I mean, me personally, I was actually scared, not because they didn't like each other, but just because they were so like, I'm the fucking man, no, I'm the fucking man kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I just thought, this, this this may get out of hand here. And um, they kept it very professional, and, and exactly the way Kurt Angle explained it is exactly the way it went. And it was not, you know, like you think, like, uh, Brock going home with his with his ball it wasn't like that it was just that you know they 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 went for a little while and they were mm -hmm. both exhausted i mean exhausted and um i think that's the first time i ever realized in my life the the, the mma wrestling type thing is man cardio 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 those guys were so blown up it wasn't even funny mm -hmm. um but it was it was really cool to watch and i'm glad that i could say i was there you remember um do you remember who was agent for this match, or was it pretty much Lesnar and Angle? Absolutely no. I remember exactly. It was. It was. It was. Um. Oh my God. Uh, he's right on tip of my tongue. Hold on. Was it Pat? It was. Yes, Pat Patterson. Yes. All day yeah. long, Pat Patterson. Um, to set up that day. Um. Kurt had his family with him. His younger daughter Kira. Um. Actually, I'm sorry. Oldest daughter Kira. 
um, who was a baby. And uh, Karen was there at the time because obviously Karen and him were married at the time. Uh, they they had her there. She was there. Um, and it was, you know, Kurt was kind of all over the place that day. Because I, I know how it is when you bring family to the show. It's, 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 it's you, you can't really focus on business. You know what I mean? Because you're always, you know, your kid's there, your wife's there, whatever it may be. <clears throat> and I feel like uh, Brock was really into getting this thing together. And I, and I know, and I know, um, Pat was. And finally it came to a situation where catering had cleared out and Pat said, I need you to go find Kurt. I need to get over and just start going over this because we have all kinds of ideas and fuck bullshit. We need to get them all together and let's get this shit done. And uh, so I went and got Kurt and we went in there and we banged it out. And uh, golly, it was a lot, man. A lot on paper. That's for sure. So, so it was actually like the old school, like Randy Savage kind of shit that, you know, even like your uncle Dave did with, um, with Savage and, and Steamboat. So it was kind of like that where they just did like wrote everything down word for not word for word, but bullet points. Right. Well, Pat, Pat wrote all that down, you know, and then. Oh, course, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you had the boys that would say their, their, their ideas mm-hmm. and he would jot those down and intertwine them and things like that. Pat was a genius, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, a genius. This match was totally put together. I would say, I would say, sixty percent was Pat, mm-hmm. the forty, the forty percent between Brock and Angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Angle had a lot of insert too, and so did Brock, because they both wanted to do their own things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do the best they could, and, and and so Pat had to mix that and match that stuff. So it was it was, it was crazy. It so- confused the shit out of me. Tell put it that way. <laughs> Well, I, I'm pretty. It doesn't take too much to confuse you, though, right? Hey, wait a minute. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, maybe, maybe not at that time. Maybe now it's just you know, you're a wily veteran at this point. But uh, the Iron Man match, I, I, everybody's been has their opinion about an Iron Man match, whether it's something that should be promoted as an Iron Man match or something that you know it should just be done. You get a 60 minute draw. What are your thoughts? Is it, you think that this, the Iron Man match, should have been promoted for it, or should they just have gone, you know, it been booked that way as an Iron Man match, just not promoted as one? I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I understand what you're asking. So an Iron Man match. Yes. When you promote something, you know, you you can compare them back in the day where you know Ric Flair would go 60 minutes. That nothing was called an Iron Man match then. Should these guys have just been said, okay, you guys are going 60 minutes tonight. We're not going to, it's not a promotion. It's not going to be booked as an Ironman match. Do you think they should just yeah. not just do away with the quote unquote calling it an Ironman match? I think they did it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's exciting to have a bunch of finishes um, with tallies for each one. I think that's it's very exciting for a fan. I think it it doesn't bore the crowd. I think if you go sixty minutes with just no finishes, I, to me that's that's just too much wrestling. I don't want to watch any match for sixty minutes. I don't, I really don't. Right. So yeah, because, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, but but to watch this match and have finish, 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 break, finish, break, finish, break. I mean, I I think that's what lures a wrestling fan in. Sixty minutes that Ric Flair used to do. It was different back then. It sure. was different. The audience was different. Um, so I think the way this was set up and done was absolutely perfectly done. I think the way they did it, promoted it and all that was absolutely the way it should have been done. 
Yeah, because they were uh, Lesnar throughout this hour match. He was kind of a different, different wrestler, you know, because he was literally doing everything to make sure that he gets a fall or he has an advantage. We saw him basically beating the crap out of him with a chair. You know, you would end up DQing him and causing Angle to go up. Then Lesnar would pin him, even it up. He would end up giving a low blow, so on and so forth. For those of you that watch, want to watch this, go over. It is on Peacock, um, so go check it out. Um, but do you think Lesnar would end up, there would end up being, excuse me, uh, nine falls in this match. Do you think that you said that this was done the right way? You shouldn't have been something like they had with Sean and, and Brett and having no falls going in overtime, different times, different rules kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, I think this was done. And I mean, when I say it, I think it was done perfectly. Um, absolutely perfectly. I just think that, you know, nine falls. No, I do not think that was too many. I don't. It was an hour yeah. and it's commercial break. Um, so, yeah. So this was done extremely well, extremely exciting. If you have not seen it, you really have to. Um, and I will say, you know, even Mike Yoda put me over and said that I did a fucking phenomenal job, which I really, really do appreciate. And um I, I feel like I did do a good job. Now, I will say, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I got a little lost and twisted um, in the middle of this thing. I believe it was probably fall number seven. Mm-hmm. I literally had to go to Brock and ask him, what's the finish? I can't remember. Because I lost. I just got lost. Um, I, I did. And mm-hmm. that was the first time ever in my career. And it was a very, very nervous, nerve-wracking and I, I'm so very blessed that I was good friends with Kurt and him to where I could say to them, I'm lost. I need to know what's next. Where and once he told me what, what, yeah. So once he told me what was next, I was good all the way through. It, after it that. clicked. It clicked. It, it did. It did. I just got lost. I mean, because, you know, how many F5 finishes can you remember? And how many, you know, ankle locks and missions can you remember? Or angle slam commission? And they happened back to back to back. And it just got kind of redundant to me in my mind and just got sure. a little clap. Sure. So wait. To go off of that, though, I wanted to t- ask you, too, is obviously being an hour match, there's got to be some sort of conversation going in the ring between whether it be between you and Angle or Lesnar and even between those two guys. Um, are they talking? You, you mentioned the, that Pat had the list backstage before they went out of stuff that he wanted them to do. Were they calling some stuff in the ring, too, or were they just basically just telling them? you know, go here, go here kind of thing. Cause it's an hour match. You got to make sure you guys are okay. No, no, no. It, 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 there was a lot called. Oh yeah. There was a lot yeah. called. Yeah. It was, it was just the bullet points were there. Sure. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way that they worked and that's how good they were. So no bullet points were there and that's all, you know, they, they just knew how to set up to get to what finished. It was them to work in the ring and get their stuff together. And, I was involved in a lot of that calling stuff. Uh, Brock used me a lot, and so did Kurt. But, um, no, it was not written down how they did everything and went. But I'll tell you what we did do. We made sure that when we had commercial breaks, we fucking chilled and got yeah. some air. Yeah. <laughs> because it was, a, it was a long one, man. It was yeah. the longest match I think I've ever been in my history. Yeah. So, so, you know, it wouldn't be a Brian Hebner match if you didn't take a bump. Uh, we're going to see your, your – uh, your trademark here, man. You're going to see the whole the inside out uh, bump where you take a clothesline from Lesnar. And I, the only thing that brought <laughs> that uh, 
that came to my mind when I saw that, to be honest with you, when I was watching it was, I think you may be the only referee and I may be wrong. Maybe not. That took a clothesline from Lesnar and a clothesline from JBL. Well, yeah. Two of the worst people you could take one from. But, but two of the best guys to take them from though, because you know that, yeah, they're going to lay it in on you, but they're going to take care of you though, too. No, they took care of me. Both of them. I take one every day from them. I, yeah. they, 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 they're, they're true professionals. I've taken worse from some of the worst motherfuckers that I've ever. <laughs> so some mid card motherfuckers hitting the fuck yeah. out of me. Believe me, it's happened. Yeah. But yeah, man, it, it, I'm like, Oh man, I know I got to bring that up. Cause there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no match in this world that you do that we can't have some sort of ref bump as we saw it. And then we saw two of them even at the showcase last weekend. So it goes to show you that uh, when you think's all said and done and Brian Hebner can only do one ref bump, he pulls out two out of his hat. So, uh, but that sets up the, uh, the go home here pretty much. Um, were you, how gassed were they towards the end of this? And how gassed were you? Because obviously you're in there for an hour too. I was, I was actually really gassed, really gassed, seriously. Um, and I remember too, that when the clock, they had a, they had a clock that was on the screen mm -hmm. and we would, you know, I would have to go off of that because they couldn't tell me everything through my ear. So I knew the time we had to set up for the finish. And I knew that, where that time was at. It was right at 15 seconds. And if you notice or watch, um, I kind of start scrambling around looking at the screen, which I'm actually kind of embarrassed by really at this point, because I should have done a much better job, but it was, I was young and I was totally in the moment and didn't want to let the boys down. And so I was kind of like in a, in a panic mode because I was scared that I could fuck this up because they were going right off of me. That's what they were going off of. They, they weren't looking at that clock. They weren't looking at that board. And they didn't have an earpiece in their ear like I did. Mm -hmm. And so that was right before, you know, we got to this finish. Okay. So what I want to do is set this up. We're going to listen to the last probably about minute and 37 seconds of the match. Uh, you got Michael Cole and Taz on commentary, and they're going to set this up and we're going to hear the final minute or so of this match. So here we go. This is great. We're less than a minute away yeah, we are. from Angle losing his title. I don't think he can tie this thing. Kurt's got to go for a cover here. We'll hook a submission. 50 seconds. Kurt Angle, the champion, desperate now. Another German suplex. Can Brock Lesnar hold on to this thing? Or can Kurt Angle put it away? How many more suplexes are we going to see by Angle here? Lesnar grabbing the referee out of desperation. Oh. And a low blow. A damn low blow. 30 seconds to go. Lesnar Tactics may win him the title. Not pretty tactics, not fair tactics by Lesnar. But wow, they were effective though, Cole. But Lesnar made a mistake. Lesnar made a mistake. The angle lock locked in. Kurt Angle, desperate time for the champion. Just about 10 seconds here, 9 seconds. Angle locks in. He's blocking a tap. Will Lesnar tap out? Five, Will Lesnar tap four, out? Three, two. Is he going to tap? Damn it. Damn it. Time is run out on Kurt Angle. Here is your winner and new WWE Champion, Brock Lesnar! Brock Lesnar came into this matchup with one game plan. 
to cheat his way to the WWE title. And that last low blow with less than a minute to go was the exclamation point. Wow. What an effort by that man, Kurt Angle, a valiant champion, just ran out of time. And that's pretty much what ended up happening. And I don't think, you know, Taz gets enough credit either. You know, we talked about Michael Cole on commentary. I don't think Taz gets nearly enough credit where credit's due for the commentary that he did here in WWE. And even when you're in TNA, when he was part of the commentary team there as well. I actually really, really love Taz's work. I really do. And I always have. Um, When he came to TNA, man, I was stoked. Um, Another guy I got along with great and just a good dude. And man, he is so good on commentary. He's so good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because he's a, technical wrestler as well and it just adds to a match that has technical things going on so i I, huge fan of his and yes you're right very very underrated so you know they both did a bang up job on this match of the commentary getting this match over not not that it needed a lot of work (laughs) not a lot to get over as it was over as it was but um it's just this match, like I said, if you think Iron Man match, you got to put this in the same conversation as one of the best. And even just one of the best matches of all time, especially on broadcast TV, because normally you would think, okay, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, we've seen it at WrestleMania, we've seen him at SummerSlam. Well, what the hell's next? Why don't we do it again at a pay-per-view and make money, off, even more money off these guys? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and and to set up, too, for people that don't understand uh, that are listening, so so – Brock was up 5-4. The five finishes, he won. Four finishes, Kurt won. The biggest deal there, just because I can see the confusion if you don't know the history, because I would be confused. But Brock was in the ankle lock about Mm -hmm. to tap. And the time ran out before he could tap, which he would have, if he would have tapped, he would have tied it at 5-5, which I think would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, But... That's not the way they went, and I understand. I mean, shit, they took an hour of broadcast TV away. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that 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 was the big deal. That was why that was a big deal. That's why you heard the crowd kind of like, kind of pissed. But man, listen to that again, because man, when I was listening to it, just brought memories and goosebumps. I actually, just that crowd was so hot and fired, yeah. like just into that. Yeah, such a such a great match. And you're right. I, I I will say, it's 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 one of the best, man. One of the best Iron Man matches, I think. That, that's out there. Don't get me wrong. I, I know there's other good ones, but I'm just saying I think it was a really good one, especially for episodic TV, which was yeah. SmackDown. So, um, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot. You got to put your commercials into, you know, we went longer than an hour. Trust oh, me. definitely. Oh, yeah. And and even this is, you know, Kurt gets a little time off of here, too. We'll see him again with another feud with Eddie, too, with Eddie Guerrero. And another feud that you are a part of as well. And it just goes to show you how – God damn good these two guys were. And these were guys were the cornerstone of SmackDown in the 2000s. Without these guys, guys like, you know, Lesnar, Angle, Eddie, JBL, Undertaker, um, Jericho, whomever, Ray, um, on this roster, SmackDown, you know, you were there for so long. SmackDown wouldn't have been as popular. It, it was that wrestling brand compared to Raw that was the, the flagship. No, no, no doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah, um, they had 
many, many talented guys. Uh, Raw would typically take the most over guys like your Triple H's or whatever, and they would throw like a new guy like Brock Lesnar in there and try and make him the face of that company, mm-hmm. uh, meaning SmackDown. So th- we were always fighting from the ground up. Yeah. And that's 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 what made their competition back in the day between Raw and SmackDown a true legit competition. So we were trying to say, okay, well, guess what? Yeah, we don't have Triple H. We don't have The Rock. But we got Brock Lesnar. We got Eddie Guerrero. You know, mm-hmm. we got, you know, Randy Orton. We got Kurt Angle. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that was the, 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 the true competition between the two brands. And it was a true competition, believe me. Yeah. You know, lastly, before we get and give our shout outs and talk about next week, but um, I think Lesnar is one of those guys that correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think Lesnar will quote unquote officially retire. I think he'll always leave that open ended to always return because I think he's the kind of that guy that will always be in decent shape because of his background as part of, you know, his MMA background, his amateur background, along the same lines as Kurt Angle. We saw Kurt Angle a couple weeks ago. He's fucking shredded as shit, man. Did you see him on Raw? I did. Holy crap. I did. And, and, you, and, and Lesnar's in good, if not better shape than Angle. Don't get me wrong. Angle's in fantastic shape. But I think Lesnar's going to always be one of those guys that will always leave that open-ended as far as returning. Well, let's be fair. Kurt's a little bit older than him, too. So it's true. You know, but um, you know, I, just to touch on this real quick, I mean, you know, Brock was a was a guy who kind of was to himself in a way. He wasn't like hanging out in a locker room with all the boys. He kind of just did his own little thing, beat his own drum. And um, you know, I remember stories where, you know, I would be sitting outside by the truck. And he'd say, hey, Hebner, baby Hebner. And I'd be like, yeah, Brock. He would say, who are you riding with? And I'd say, oh, I'm riding with Tony Chimmel. And he would say, no, you're not. You're riding with me. And I would be like, okay. <laughs> now, there was, there was nothing wrong with riding, riding with Brock. But sure. Kyoto was, I mean, Kyoto and, and, and Chimmel were my boy. Right. Uh, boy. So I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump cars. You know what I mean? But I didn't have right. any choice. Uh, so, well, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You explain to Brock why you can't ride with him because you want to, because you want to be with your boys. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's not acceptable. So <laughs> that, that, that's the kind of guy he was though. You know, he, he, he was a loyalist. He, 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 you know, wanted me to be with him, want to be around him. Um, sure. I remember lots of, lots of settings too, where me, Kurt and him would go out to eat and these poor fans would want to, get with Brock to get his autograph. And, oh, my God, when that guy ate, he was like a pit bull. And we – I had to be the atlas for security to get these people away because he was going to throw his fork or food or whatever because <laughs> he did not want to be fucked with when he was eating. It, it was just does, crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, I mean, not like him, so I'm not trying to say that, but, I mean, I've been – approached before while I was eating and it was not a big deal for me to just put my fork down and grab a pen and sign. Yeah. But for him, he didn't quite see it that way. So anyway, just, uh, just trying to give you a little backstory on Brock. Brock was a, he was an animal, man. He was, he was, he was a great dude and I really miss working with him and I'm so glad to see him doing well and just being a big star and still doing it today. Yeah. 
So that's going to be our episode for this week on Brock Lesnar. Brian, I, I was really looking forward to this because this is somebody that I, I, I watched since his debut. Um, and obviously with your uh, um, association with him as well, I knew it was going to be a good episode. And whenever we talk Kurt Angle, you know, it's going to be a good episode. So, uh, but next week, stay tuned to our uh, social medias, whether it be Instagram or, uh, or Twitter, both at Reffing It Up. Um, Brian is at Baby Hebner. Both of those, if you're not uh, following us on that, go over and follow us right there on, on those two platforms. Excuse me, as well. Um, just to keep, uh, we're just trying to, you know, dot some I's, cross some T's to make sure that everything works out for next week. Um, hopefully, we'll have somebody on that uh, will shock and amaze you. Um, but with that being said, we got to do some shout outs, Brian, to a couple of our boys doing fantastic work. JD Hoop, we saw him at Top Guy Weekend, um, still doing bang up jobs. Looking forward to, I, I always look forward to that email that I get with the artwork that I send over to you at, uh, you, I don't know if that guy ever sleeps, to be honest with you, because he always, the emails that he sends me, sends, I, I see in the morning when I get up for work and it's always at like, like two or three in the morning East coast. I know he's in Arizona, but it's like, I don't think that dude ever sleeps. I don't think he does either, man. I mean, he looks like he doesn't sleep. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I finally got a face to face to, to name, uh, yeah. we're in Chicago and, once again, I just want to reiterate, man, I, I just so appreciate him being part of the team. And he really helps our show quite a bit. I mean, it's just it's just really neat and cool. And he does such fucking outstanding work. Um, and if you need anything like that, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, you need to go check him out. Follow him on Instagram. Sure. Uh, follow him on Twitter. And uh, he's 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 very special, man. Very talented. Yeah. Or just check out the show notes because his, his Twitter and Instagram handle will be right there. Um, as well as the guy that does our great, great intro. I know he's got, you mentioned something to me, Brian, he's got something in the works to add to the show. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has because he just bang up jobs wherever he goes. His uh, website will be in the show notes as well. So wait a minute, you know about that? I I, I have a bird. I've, I heard a couple of birdies chirp. Well, my God, I thought I had a surprise for you. Uh, yeah, he is. He's working yeah. on something for us um, that's only going to enhance the show. Sure. Uh, so I can't wait. I cannot wait to uh, see and put it in. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next week. That would that'd be great. If not, oh, yeah. I'll be patient. And whenever he wants to get it and do it for us, uh, I'll be sitting here waiting. Sure. So we mentioned all the social medias at Reffing It Up both Instagram and Twitter you're at Brian or excuse me, Brian, you're at baby Hefner on both. Um, dude, looking forward to each and every episode, every week we're recording um, next week's going to be no, no, no change. I, I'm sure of that. Um, head over to uh, castby.com slash reffing it up. All our podcast platforms we're on are there, dude. I, I it, it's very humbling and, uh, and I'll kick it over to you for the last couple of moments. Um, it's very humbling that when I go on and find that, you know, we're associated with some great podcasts and the platforms that we're on countries that we're in, um, you know, Christ, it's the last time I looked, dude, I have nerves over in Canada, man. I, I couldn't believe that. I saw that. this <laughs> week. I, I had to put them over too. Yeah. And let them know, look, don't hate me. Hate Earl. I didn't, I didn't screw your <laughs> hero. Uh, yeah, great. I was very, very impressed with this week's uh, jump. I really was. Thank you, Canada. And uh, thank you. Th thank you, everybody, man. For yeah. real. Seriously. We're working hard, man. 
we have a great team and uh we're gonna keep moving up bud yeah no no question about that we got hopefully we'll have a lot more great great news coming up in the next few weeks next couple of months what have you uh definitely looking forward to um uh, you know, what we got coming down the pipeline and just thank you so much for tuning in this week too Reffing it up with Brian Hebner. And we see you right back here next week. One, two, three.